Thanks for joining us on the Church of the Lakes podcast, where we inspire life, share life, and give life. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at cotlakes.com. We'd love to connect with you. Now, let's go to the message. I want to jump in. I, I am, I'm wrapped about today's word. I'd like to say that to you. Because like, I was very honest with you and transparent earlier that I've kind of been going through a weird time here for myself and just kind of struggling and kind of the spiritual warfare stuff. And it's just, anybody else, I mean, maybe I'm just crazy. Anybody else, when you step back and you look at your life and go, well, that's not that bad. When you feel jacked up, like you feel weird in your like something feels off or that type of scenario. And I, and I think what happens oftentimes is, this world is hard. Is anybody who's agree with me on life state sometimes? Yes? Like, life, life, life is hard, right? Jesus said you are going to have trouble. Like, that's reality, no matter what. We, we, we have this Disney's real close to us, and we've got this Mr. Bluebird on the shoulder kind of thing going on, that we think we're just kind of supposed to be like that. It's not. It's not. Like, we get doctor's reports, and we get phone calls, and we get people that say certain things to us that are uglier. We get family members that we're in conflict with. With all these things going on, and you go, well, Pastor Mike, I knew all this. I didn't even have the church for you to tell me all this. I just need you to be more positive. I'm positive that you're going to have people yell at you. You feel these family members. You strike in your, with, your, with, your, with your marriage and your kids. Listen, listen. But God is bigger. And the message he wants for you to hear this morning, he wants you to realign, he wants Mike to realign our thinking with eternity. Because this is just this long. And then there is eternity. That's what we're going to get into today. But we have been using for this series, what do I believe? What do I believe? What are the basic beliefs? How many of you know you can Google anything and get anybody's opinion on anything, Right? How you turn peanut butter into a banana? Somebody wrote an article. I promise you, check it out. Right? Like, like, like anything, everything there's an opinion on. So our problem is, is what's true, what's real, and what we've been doing is we've been using something called the Apostles' Creed to actually um, try to say what is the basics. What are some of the basics of Christianity? What is the basics of our belief system? And the Apostles' Creed, it's not scripture. It's not holy within itself. It's something that was written in the year 150, okay? It wasn't written by the apostles. It was written to reflect what the apostles had taught for people who heard them firsthand or secondhand, right? Right back then. And so nothing special about this creed. It just reflects truth. Like the moon reflects the light of the sun. The real light comes from the sun, even though the moon looks lit. This creed reflects truth. So let me read a little bit of it and, and, and show you where we've been going. It says this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. For those of you who are here, we want to talk about what it means to be sons and daughters, right? And he is our Father, not slaves, but sons and daughters, heirs. I believe in the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We too, we talked about him as our creator and the creation and the amazing, what it meant for him to say, let there be light. Right, and what he created in those, in those few words was just absolutely mind-blowing. Creator of heaven and earth. And then Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. That's a historical date stamp. 
was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. We talked about that last week. And he ascended into heaven, went back to heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God. We talked about that last week. Remember the picture we talked about last week? What is Jesus doing right now? He's intercessing for you. He's praying. It's like he's praying for you. But what he does is he sits at the right hand of God. And because he went through everything we talked about last week, everything we can imagine, every temptation, every struggle, right? He had sex. Come on, teenagers. Right? Like, he, he did everything, right? He was tempted by women. He was tempted by all kinds of things. So he knows. So he's sitting there at the right hand of God. And when you go, God, this stinks, this he goes, man, I remember how that feels. And he turns to the Father and he goes, that's hard. That's, that's really hard, Dad. How, how, how do we help them? How do we push? That's what Jesus is doing right now. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, intercessing for you. And right there, I can close up and we can come home. That's amazing that he loves us the way he does. It says, he ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father away. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. Today we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus is coming back. Jesus, Jesus is, saying, Jesus is coming back. Are you excited about that? No, don't give me a second school answer. Hey, when I asked earlier, if you're really honest, if he came this afternoon, would that be a good thing? Would that be a, well, I kind of want to see my grandkids grow up. Or I kind of want to, and, and, and that's a measure, listen to me, church. That's a measure of how much we are tied to this earth as opposed to focus on eternity. Are you, are you hearing me? Right? The, the, the reality of that. And so here's, here, here's another question. So here's, here's a question. He said, so, Pastor Mike, are we living in the last days? Right? You hear people ask this question, right? There's all kinds of people that want to sell you books. They want to give you a certain date. How many of you have heard a date that has come and gone? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, end of the world is coming, right? I remember, I remember living through Y2K. Anybody remember Y2K? Right? Y2K, maybe 2,000 you can lose all your money if it's in the bank because the computers are going to blow up. All this stuff. And what happened? January 1, 2000. Nothing. 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 Why? Look at Matthew 24 and 36. But about that day, this is when Jesus comes back. About that day or hour, what does it say? No one knows. No one knows. Nobody knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So I get this picture because I'm weirdly simple-minded. Like those of you who've been with me a long time, I don't know why he stuck with me. But I think I'm very simple-minded. So I have this picture of Jesus kind of looking down and going, that's a mess. Today? Yeah. Nope, not today. Woo, that's bad. Today? Nothing except the white horse sitting behind him, like ready to go. Because the scripture says he doesn't know the day. Listen to me. If somebody tries to tell you the time that Jesus is coming back, then catch this. They are biblically off, period. They're biblically off. No one knows. But in the meantime, what are we supposed to do? Because life is crazy. Life is nutty, right? So I pulled this verse out of 1 Chronicles 12 that talks about a particular group of people out of a 
particular time, and I just want to read it to you. It says this in First Chronicles 12. The men of Issachar, which is a group of people, understood the times and knew what Israel should do. There was understanding and what they should do. Let me say this to you. When we start talking about the subject of Jesus coming back or the end times or all of this, how many of you guys have seen movies, apocalyptic movies? Anybody seen the Love Behind series? Right? Kirk Cameron? You know, like we have all these Hollywood versions of what's going to happen. And let me say this to you it's not time for us to be scared or worried or confused. How many of you read Revelation and thought, oh Lord, I don't know what's going on? Right? Anybody who's read the Revelation has been like, Dragons and crazy like Listen, listen, this is not time for us to be confused. We need to understand the unique time that we live in because God has placed you here on purpose. We need to understand the specific time we live in, and then we should understand what should we be doing. Let me say it again. It is in our church's statement of faith. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming back. He was born. He lived the life for 30 years so he could relate to us, like we talked about last week. Had a ministry of reconciliation, putting back together brokenness, bringing truth to this world, and then dying for all the sins of all time. He then rose from the dead three days later. For the next 40 days, he appeared many times to people, and after 40 days, went to heaven. This is the account I want to read to you now of him going back to heaven. Look at Acts 1 and 9. After he had said this, pause, what did he just say? Well, he had just looked at the disciples and he said, you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Basically, it was the Great Commission. It is the commission that you and I are with, are in with every church across the world right now. Every church in our community, we have the same mission, to go and preach the gospel. Right? In our area, in the region, and that's why we do missions the way we do missions. We're local, regional, and global. It's based upon... Acts 1-8. But then in one night, after he had said this, catch this, he was taken up. It's a really interesting word. I don't know if you know this, but the word rapture, if you've ever heard of the rapture, is not in the Bible. But right here, the Latin translation of taken up is raptio, which basically, that's where we get the word rapture from. Right? Just so you know. He was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up to the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking at the sky? Guess what? I knew they answered that question. Because he went up. And then it looked kind of obvious, right? He went up. So they were looking up. And they were like, why are you looking up into the sky? And this thing, Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back. In the same way you have seen him go into heaven, and I believe if you study it well, you'll also see he's coming back to the same place. Where was the place? It was the Mount of Olives. But if you've ever seen a picture of Jerusalem where you see the, the Temple Mount, right, with the Golden Dome, most of those pictures are taken from the Mount of Olives to get a good shot. It was that mountain right there that he left from, and then he'll come back to. Now, we don't know the time. We don't know, we cannot give you a date. And anybody who tries to give you a date is getting outside of Scripture. Anyone who's trying to give you a date says they're smarter than Jesus. Because he doesn't know. But what we do know is we know the season. The Scripture decides 
defines for us the season. Let me show it to you in Luke 21. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity. At the roaring and tossing of the sea, people will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, you better pack your bags, brother. That's what my translation, right? Stand up and lift up your head because your redemption is drawing near. Now, I already feel the tension. As you start talking about end times, then something gets weird inside of us. Come on, somebody, right? A lot of it has to do with the media we've seen. A lot of it has to do with apocalyptic stuff and what we've seen on the TV. And if you watch that behind, you're like, oh, my gosh, like, am I going to be on the airplane and the pilot gets taken? What happens if you're on the plane and the pilot gets taken? I just have that question for Jesus. Maybe he hasn't told me yet. Right? But, but like, if that really is what happens, we have all these, and fear starts to come into our mind. And so this is a really serious topic. So I thought I would tell you a joke right here. All right? Just to make it laugh for a second since we're serious. So there's these two kids and pastors. And uh, our church is right across the street. Baptist and Methodist right across the street from each other. And these good old boy cages go out. They decide they want to be helpful to people and start hammering these signs. And one of the ones I was hammering the sign in. And, um, and, it, and the sign says, the end is near. And the other one on the side hears this, and then hears this, and then he says, um, turn around before it's too late. So here comes a car, car goes driving by, rolls down the window, starts yelling, you religious fanatics, you freaks, what is wrong with you people? And the car speeds. A couple seconds later, they hear, and a bill splash. And the kids and pastor looks at the other one and says, you think we should have just put bridges out? That's funny, I'll give you that. That's, that's funny right here. Listen, I needed you to laugh because this is kind of a serious topic, right? And I needed to light up the reality of this. Are we living in the last days? Every generation has come up with people who have proven that their generation was the one, right? And we don't know. But can I show you something unique to our generation? Don't hear me saying it's happening because does Pastor Mike know the time? No, no one knows the time. But can we evaluate the season? Absolutely. Let me show you a couple of things that are kind of unique to our particular season and, and where we are. Worldwide satellite technology. In Revelation 11, it's not in your notes. You want to write this down and study further. You can do that. Revelation 11, it tells the story of two witnesses. The two witnesses are going to stand at the Temple Mount, preach for three days, and then the Antichrist is going to kill them and their bodies are going to lay straight. And it says this that the whole world will all see it at the same time. We're the first generation where you can be here and see something there because of worldwide satellite technology. We're the first ones to, to, to be able to do that. Next, worldwide financial technology. Okay? Also in Revelation, Revelation 13, it talks about that the Antichrist, when he comes, that market there's going to be, he's going to talk everybody into and it's going to sound great, and it's going to sound like unity and all this, and he's going to talk everybody into one currency. Right? And in some way, there's going to be a mark. It's where we get this thing called the mark of the beast. You ever heard of that? Right? The mark of the beast, and it's going to be hand or forehead. And the mark of the beast is what's going to allow you to buy and sell. I, because my mind works in really stupid ways, I just have this picture of people having a chip in their head and going to the self-checkout at Walmart, you know? Right? And I'm like, anyway. 
<laughs> Whatever this is, here's what I know. We're the first generation that has the possibility of that. We're the first group that has had ship technology, right? Here's another one. Worldwide evangelism will happen. In Matthew 24 and 14, it says that the gospel will be preached to all the nations. Nations are not geographical boundaries. Nations, the word there is ethnos, which is people groups. Just to give you an idea, there are 17,000 approximately people groups right now in the world. 10,000 of those people groups have scriptures, churches, and pastors, or missionaries at least. So we've got about 7,000 unreached people groups currently. But I need you to hear something. The gospel is growing. There are way more Christians happening every day that we don't see. Why? Well, we're here in Leesburg. And Leesburg kind of looks the same as it did in 1954 in some ways. Right? And we've got this, this mindset of just kind of doing a life and surviving. And I need you to hear the gospel is growing. There's something happening on that scale. Why are we talking about this? Listen, I'm not trying to scare you. I think that Jesus is coming back. And I think if he's coming back, that, that it should do three things. When we think about the idea of Jesus coming back, that it should actually do three things for us. Number one is this. That Jesus' return would comfort us. It should comfort us. It's not something to be scared of, right? There are many of you here today that would say, life kind of stinks right now. That I'm going through something. And listen to me. I pray that God does an earth miracle in your situation. But we all have to hold on to the reality that heaven is the greatest miracle. Heaven is the greatest answer. Some glad morning, we are all going home, somebody. Come on. Heaven. No handicap parking. No doctor's appointments. No negative diagnoses. No relationship drama. Come on, somebody. Or rejection. No more addiction. Or prescriptions. I know it'll get you. No more taxes and no more elections. There you go. Don't get so fixated on this earth. Because this earth will let you down. Can I get an email now? If you don't amen me, I will amen myself. When you read the scripture, Jesus amen himself. So I'm going to be like Jesus, all right? But listen, don't fixate on what's here. It's not about here. Can I say this to you? It's not about quality of life. The more you focus on quality of life, I think the more you get away from a biblical concept. It's about eternity. It's about all things eternal. So let me read you verse Thessalonians 4 and 15. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we are still alive, who are left, uh, we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Interesting, they say fall asleep because it's, they're not dead, they're just not living as we understand living, walking around on the earth, right? But the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangels and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and after that, we who are still alive, our left will be caught up together with them in the clouds. There's that rapture, caught up, that's, that's, that translation comes from when we get that word. With them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. In other words, when we talk about Jesus coming back, we should stir encouragement. And let me say this to you. If it 
does it, you actually have to ask yourself, what's wrong in my thinking? Can I say this to you? I, I have come to the understanding, at least this is my opinion, I think Central Florida, literally Central Florida, has been the best place to live on the planet for about the last year and a half. I give a whole lot of credit, this is not a political statement, but I give a whole lot of credit to our governor. I think he's kicked butt in the way he's done it. Oh, he's a Republican. All right, so, listen, this is not a political statement, that's not the point. The point is this, we have been out of a, we, we've lived in a bubble as compared to the rest of the world, right? I mean, we, we have been so blessed and things are open and so many businesses didn't fail that are failing other places because they couldn't keep their business going, all this kind of thing. But in Florida, is anybody else here? Like, my wife, I, I said to my wife one time, if somebody had us a million dollars, and I can take you anywhere in the world, where would you go? Just honestly, God, through the pastor. She said to me, Daytona Beach. And at first I thought, what is wrong with you, woman? Have you lost your mind? Right? But listen to me. We live in a phenomenal place to live. Really on the entire planet. There's so much right here that we can do. Go to the beach, right? A bunch of us were swimming in the lake yesterday. I mean, just, we can, but can I say something to you? Heaven is a hundred times better than Florida. And we lose sight of the reality of what this is because we get so fixated here. So when we talk about Jesus' return, it should comfort us. It should also prepare us. God does not want you to be in the dark about this topic. How do I know? He doesn't want you to be in the dark about this topic. Listen to these numbers. There are over 300 references to Jesus coming back in the New Testament alone. 300 references. In the New Testament, there are 260 chapters. 216 have a reference to Jesus coming back. In the New Testament, there are 27 books. 23 of the 27 books have some sort of reference to Jesus coming back. Why does that matter? Because God wants you to have some comfort and preparation. But not fear of the unknown, but preparation for what he has planned. We should be encouraged by it. Let me continue on that Thessalonians. Now, brothers and sisters, this is talking to believers, brothers and sisters, Christians. Now, Christians... About times and dates, we do not need to write to you. Why? Because nobody knows. So they say, hey, we don't even need to do with that. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Nobody knows. What people are saying, and he says people, you notice that's unbelievers, right? Not brothers and sisters, but other people. We'll be saying peace and safety. Life's good, man. We're just focusing on our quality of life. And all's good. Feeling good. Got enough money to do what I want to do and play and all this kind of stuff. Well, people are saying peace and safety. Destruction will come on them suddenly. As labor pains on a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Right? There will be no shock in Jesus' church if his church is paying attention to what he's already told us. There's no shock. And so when we hear the trumpet sound, like if the trumpet sounded right now, dude, we should all run out of here. We don't need to listen to that governor anymore. Jesus is here. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real, I'm being very serious. Like, like, like we should be excited. There, man, but there are many that when Jesus returns, it's going to take them off guard. They're going to go, what? But I wasn't ready. Or, I didn't know. 
In other words, let me say it to you this way. How you live matters. How you live and what you're focused on so matters. We all need a wake-up call to refocus what life is about. Let me say it to you this way. How many of you have helped with or been a part of preparations for a wedding? Anybody? Done that whole or seen that? Maybe you've seen a friend do it. You see, did anybody ever watch the, the Bradzilla TV show? You know what I'm talking about? Like the chaos that happens in that whole scenario? Like, like there's so much to do in the wedding, right? And it just seems like, you know what, she's going to have a simple wedding. She's going to be really, really simple. And then all of a sudden, her mama has some ideas. And his mama has some ideas. And Aunt Jerry has some ideas. And one with the beard that's weird to kiss because it's fuzzy. You know what I mean? Like, everybody starts to get involved. And just can't, you know what I'm talking about in Hollywood? Like, weddings are a whole bunch of preparation, right? Let me paint a picture for you. What if the groom in a wedding was just like he had a checklist and he was checking things off whether it was his responsibility? He was getting it done. He was getting touches. He's got his guys lined up. He started thinking about rehearsal dinners, all this sort of stuff. But the bride was doing nothing. She had looked at a dress. She didn't care. She hadn't thought about who's going to be in the wedding. <laughs> Reception, yeah, I guess we'll do something, but I don't know where yet. What if she was so unprepared for the wedding, she was still dating? I think in the scripture it says that Jesus is the groom and he's coming back for his bride. Is the bride prepared? Or is the bride still so focused on life and all the stuff and everything else that maybe the, the, the bride is not where it should be? Are we preparing? We should be living completely focused on a wedding. Completely focused on the reality that Jesus is coming back. And in September and October of this year, we're going to study the book of Daniel, which is going to help us. How do we understand the times and know what to do? Well, we're going to talk about Daniel, who lived in a pagan culture, and that was influential and made things happen. How do we do that? We'll study that September and October. That's, that's where the Holy Spirit's on. Why? Well, because this last one, because Jesus' return focuses us. When we understand Jesus' return, it will focus us. Like 1 Thessalonians 5, you are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night. Or to the darkness, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but be awake and sober. Awake and sober. Am I so caught up in paying bills and keeping up with the Joneses by having my kids in soccer and Girl Scouts and this club and that club and all that I'm fixated on this world? And then I wonder my, why my life is chaotic. When my fixation should be on what is eternal and what is God doing and what is God calling me to do. So let me ask you the question again. Pastor Mike, are we living in the last days? I say it to you this way. You are living in your last days. And I'm living in my last days. I looked at a timeline not that long ago, and I put zero, and I picked a date. I mean, I picked up an age. So for me, I picked 80. So I thought, okay, if I die at 80, where am I now? At 51, what the heck? 
Do a little timeline. And just look at the difference of where you are on a possible timeline. I'm living in my last days. And you are living in your last days. Let me, let me ask you, if I answered the question when you said, Pastor Mark, are we living in the last days? If I answered yes, would it make you live differently? Well, then yes. Then yes. You are living in your last days. The last opportunity that you have to fulfill what it is that God has put you on this planet to do. And make no mistake, he put you in this place for this time period that you might understand and do what he has called you to do in this particular time period. You are not here by mistake. I don't care what your background is. I don't care how you got here. I don't care. So I'm going to share this just because she was so open. I didn't ask this, but that's okay. Uh, there's, there's somebody, I, I won't use a name, there's somebody I, I talked to and, and they're doing amazing things, they're a community leader in the community. Spent time with her and she's got this beautiful family. And, uh, and I said something about her family, her parents, and this and that. She said, well, I actually have a prom baby. I went, what? She said, I was a prom baby. I was conceived on prom night. She was a single mom. And I looked at this woman, she's a doctor. And she's like, and I looked at her and I thought, you know what, there's somebody who says, you know what, no matter where I came from, that doesn't define me. It doesn't matter what my particular situation was or the things I've done in my past. What I know is there's a God in heaven who's coming back one day, and when he comes back, he's going to look at me and say, what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? And I don't think that he's going to take, listen to me, a victim's response. Are you hearing me? Right now, I don't think Jesus is going to take up. Well, you know, my parents divorced, and then my dad this, and my mom, and then my Uncle Joe. No, 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 no. He's going to look at you until I gifted you. I called you. My Holy Spirit was drawing and pulling you at different times, but you walked away. You walked away from the church because you were fixated on things of this earth, as opposed to understanding there's an attorney for us to be focused upon. Let us be sober, church. Let us be awake. We are the bride of Christ in preparation. When you get up tomorrow morning, it's time to prep for a wedding. When you get up Tuesday morning, it's time to prep for a wedding. Let's read about it. Matthew 24, 37, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and wedding nights up to the time of Noah, but people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding flour in the mill, one will be taken and the other left. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, come on somebody. If I knew a burglar was coming to my house, come on, God, I would have my friends with me, Snoop and Wesley, you know what I'm talking about. You would be prepared. Come on now. If a homeowner could know exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time. When the Son of Man will come when you least expect it. Are we in the last days? I don't know. But I'm in my last days. So we got some things to do, church. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And you are in your last days. Okay, Pastor Mike, I got you. That's the theology. Now what? So what am I supposed to do with it? I'm going to give you three thoughts as we close today. What should I do, number one? Think clearly. 
Be clearly. Be clearly. First Peter 4 and 7. The end of all things is near. Let's look what Peter has to say about that. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can what? So you can what? That's interesting. Be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Does that verse say that I can pray and it be ineffective because I'm not clear-minded? I think that's exactly what it says. I think, does that say I can pray and it not be effective because I'm not self-controlled? I think that's exactly what it says. Listen to me. Prayer should be a moment in your day where your mind gets realigned with eternity. We go into prayer mad, frustrated, scared. And when we come out of prayer, things are different because our mind is realigned. In other words, let me say it to you this way. Prayer is not a place for you to inform God about things of earth. Prayer is a place for God to inform you about things of eternity. Realignment of our thinking and our mind. Right? Colossians says, set your mind on things above. In other words, we go into prayer and we're like, this problem is huge. This problem is crazy, God. And it's all this kind of stuff. And we kind of look at when God's just kind of this big. And the longer we fix that on the problem, the problem, the problem, the smaller our God is. But the more I turn and go, God, you're good, you're sovereign, you're sitting on your throne, your promises are true. He gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and my problem gets smaller and smaller and smaller. That's how we realize, not that our problems go away. I started this with, you're going to have problems. Right? We were going to have problems. But the reality being that it's a mindset, it's a focusing on what is real and true for all time, not just the time that we are living in. Number two, what should we do? Focus on relationships. Focus on relationships. The worship team's going to come and get ready to finish this out today. If you ask me this question, that's what absolutely matters the most in our life. What matters the absolute most Answer? People. People. Why? Why? How can you say that? Because they're the only thing that are going to go on in their eternity with you. All of a sudden, jump. It's going to get burned up. These lights are really cool. Yeah. Um, this screen is a really cool screen, right? Awesome. No. And then they're going to eternity. So we use these resources and these things to live this life. But the most important thing in our life is people. So we serve people, even when people are difficult. Nobody amen that one? Nobody like that one? We join small groups, even when people are difficult. We go to a dinner circle, even though people are difficult. You were never intended to live life on, the, on, on your own. We need each other. Why? Because you're going to fall. Again, that's why I want you to be more positive. Again, I'm positive you're going to fall. And you're going to need people, right? And we're going to need people. Look at First Peter 4, 8, 9. Above all, love each other deeply. This love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to each other. Catch this. Without grumbling. Come on, any of you ever been down with each other, prepping the house for people to come over? 
No, you haven't. I got one last blank. I gotta be honest, I'm always tempted to put a blank at the bottom of the page that I never put in. Because some of y'all write this last blank in and then you're ready to go. You're already thinking about beating the Methodist or Jackets, right? But don't check out on me here. Don't check out on me here. Check this out, last one. What should we do? It should make a difference. It should make a difference. First Peter 4 and 10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to do what? Serve others. Use their gift to serve others. Let me say this to you. If you haven't been through Life Steps, we start step one next week. You need to come to Life Steps. We walk you through the journey of understanding your gifts and your purpose and all these things and how we realign who you are and what you're called to do. Come to Life Steps next week. Each one of you should use whatever gifts you receive to serve others. Faithful men ministering God's grace in its various forms. It's really cool. When you get to know that different people have different giftings, right? Different people have, and they have a part, and we need to figure out how to use their giftings, how to use our giftings, how we might work together as the body of Christ. Then this group of people standing behind me, I love these guys, and the, and the, and the passion they have, and they come into rehearsal Tuesday night, they did last night here, they came in this morning, they set up, they take down, they do all this stuff. But what's really cool about this team is I can walk through this team and tell you personality differences and gifting differences and what they bring to the table. You have something you bring to the table that God wants to use, right? Faithfully administrating God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, you should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, you should do it with the strength that God provides so that all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever and ever. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Church, Jesus is coming back. I hope I realigned our brains a little bit this morning. That was our goal. That was the goal, right? Right? How many of you know you got some junk to do with this week? Right? How many of you are, you are avoiding that phone call? Maria is. She's well out. Right? No, listen, you, you got stuff coming this week. And you got a battle going on. But I promise you, if you will realign your mind, so we're trying to be realigned your mind to the fact that we're prepping for a wedding. That's what this life is all about. Things start to change. Relationships start to align. You'll do relationship if you know Jesus might come back this afternoon. Come on now. You might speak to your spouse a little bit differently if Jesus was coming back this afternoon. So you, might just, you might respond to your parents a little bit differently. If you knew Jesus was coming back this afternoon. See, that's an alignment that happens that when we put into play, life changes. Think clearly. Focus on relationships and difference. That's what I believe that God would want us to do during this season, during this time period, that we're prepping for a wedding. Would you close your eyes and let me pray for you this morning? Jesus, we are so grateful you are sitting there at the right hand of our Father. And just like we said earlier, we love you. We praise you, we thank you, Father. Glory, we're so grateful for your passion.
and pursue us. We repent, God. We're not prepping for a wedding. We repent for having our eyes focused on the things of this world and this life and being fixated on things that are temporary and not those that are eternal. Holy Spirit, realign my mind today. That I might know that you're coming back. That I might be prepared to spend eternity with you. With your eyes closed, I just want to say this today. With your eyes still closed, some of you may not know there's a question mark in your heart of whether you are prepared for eternity. If that's you this morning, here's what I would say to you. Jesus made this statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through me. In other words, it is only through Jesus that we have a relationship and we have eternity. It's a relationship. Here's the coolest part. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to fix yourself up. You don't have to clean yourself up. Jesus says, come to me. Just commit your life to me. And I in turn will give you eternity. So you don't know if your eternity is set. Let me give you a prayer that you can pray. And I promise you nothing special about my words. But if you sincerely say something similar to what I'm about to say, have every belief in my heart, you will be saved for eternity and spend eternity with God. Do something like this. Jesus, today I don't understand it all. But I feel something. I feel a joy. Me and you, tuck it on my heart. So as best as I understand today, I surrender my life to you. As best as I understand, I ask you to come into my life and, and fix those things that are broken. I thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross to forgive all of my sins. Today I place my faith in that and in you. Thank you for loving me. Now help me walk. I want that you would help me walk. The life that you would help me live. I pray it in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Hey church, Jesus is coming back. It's going to be better than what I'm going to have to watch today. It's going to be better than that boat ride you're going to go on later. That hunt trip. It's going to be better than that bucket list vacation that you got planned. It's going to be better. So this week, I want you to keep your mind focused on eternity, not just the things of this earth. Does that make sense to anybody? Thanks for joining us today. We would love to help you on your next steps. Please visit cotlakes.com. Join us weekly as we continue to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in our community.